0: Hey, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Gillian, and this is the From First to Last podcast. This is a From First to Last podcast. It's a podcast where my friend Craig and I, we get together each week. We work our way through a director's theatrical filmography from their first film all the way through to their last. Craig, we are getting to the very end of season five. Oh, we're getting to the tip
1: <laughs> Get to the, the little ridge around the tip we're getting there, we're getting there. not oh long to go man not long to go
0: <laughs> speaking of tips who are we talking about give us the run hot out, tip <laughs> run out
1: a red hot a hot red tip should i say a hot red tip
0: <laughs> it's been such an adventure hey oh it's been quite the
1: adventure man quite the adventure
0: i've um i've really enjoyed this it's really interesting uh This little season that we're on now in his filmography. Yeah. On the back end. Because, I don't know about you, but I've started feeling almost like, not we're watching the same movie because they're quite different films. But it's very clearly we're watching the same director working.
1: Yeah. uh, And I'm also finding that um, it's getting a bit generic. Yes. This is... Sorry, not... I know it, it's I not get what looking you're generic. Yes, because um, obviously he's the palettes he's using are totally different. Each one. Yes, I'm just feeling a little generic. Maybe I'm just a little bit warm. I'm
0: wondering if Howard at this point has reached the stage where he knows what a Howard film feels like. Yeah, in such a way that it feels generic because he's hitting the same beats across different genres. Or is it? i um,
1: I'm worried that. He's not, um, there's not a much, there's passion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see, I can see that. But we found, I, I really wanted to draw a parallel from this to the Zemeckis season. Yeah. Because I feel like we felt the same around The Walk, Allied. I liked Allied. Me Walk, too. Walk, obviously,
1: I couldn't stand, but uh, You
0: Zemeckis. know, it just reached that point where it was like,
1: Oh, he's uh, Zemeckis Dowd.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it's funny. It's There's
1: so many things that we look back on. Well, um, we look back on the Zemeckis season and we know it's it was just probably our first season. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it was just those early jitters. Yes. Like, I look back at those last movies towards the end there and there's still a lot of soul to those films. Very much so. Um, and so... Oh, I'm not saying there's no soul to the rest of his films, you know, I haven't watched the, I haven't watched um, Inferno or Solo yet. Yeah. But yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping there's
0: Yeah, but. I d- like we do have to remember though in this you do get occasional gems still. Like I think last week's film Rush. Rush was good. Was a gem. Yeah, Rush was really You know, good. amongst all that. Yeah. And so again we really have to stress, this isn't us saying that Ron Howard is not a good director anymore. No, 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 no. He's no. a great director. But I guess we've just hit a bit of a plateau in what he's doing. It's it's hard when
1: you you feel like you've reached the peak. Yes. And you're coming down. Yeah, You know what I mean? And
0: maybe this that's the best way to talk about this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you're still high on the mountain. You know, you're very high on the mountain. Yes. Higher than most other directors, probably 90% of directors out there, 95% of directors.
0: Yeah. You're
1: just... Not as high as you once were.
0: Well, we're just not getting, say, uh, if we look at our top two already for the season, Frost-Nixon is probably the last real quality, quality film we've oh, got. Oh, yeah, peak. And so we are just getting not that upper echelon of film.
1: There's usually, yeah, there's, uh, there's, it seems to be there's, um, and I guess obviously we'll go into more, there seems to be like a miscalculation on some of them. yeah. That you're just yeah. like, oh, I don't know. It's just like that one was, everything else seems right on it, on yes. screen. There's just something that's just not bang on.
0: Yeah, and I actually think today's film, which is in the heart of the sea, yeah, is one of those where all the pieces are there. Yeah. But just for some reason. It's not bang on. It's not bang on. And so much so that we'll find out later on that they Warner Brothers really felt that this was an Oscar pushing film.
1: Oh, really? For who?
0: So, that's. I just think it may have been a, we've got Ron Howard. He's known to be a bit of a, he gets nominations. Yeah. And this is a, a film, I'd love to think, because I didn't put the parallels together until just this morning, and I really didn't have enough time to del- delve into it. But I'd love to know where Life of Pi fits into things from here. Yeah. Because if we think Life of Pi was a survival film, that was an academy darling. Yeah. This not so much. Oh,
1: this is very different to I think this is very different from Life yep. of Pi. Yeah. I think um I think obviously Life of Pi is above and beyond like head and shoulders above this film. Ang Lee, he's just <laughs> Technically no. Yeah. Like obviously special effects, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Life of Pi is amazing. Yeah. But technically this is I a would, really clever yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. This is a clever film. There's just some glaring... And, and on this one, I think there's some glaring stuff. But in
0: saying that, you know, we'll get to it. Yeah, we will. We definitely will. So, Craig, should we jump in in the heart of the sea? Let's jump in. I've got a little bit I've prepared today. I hope you're ready Ooh, for Jeffers it. Ooh, Jeff has prepared. Nice. I know. I'd, well, I'm always prepared. He's never prepared. I'm He's always prepared. But this one, I just... Seat of his pants. I really wanted to, to dive a bit deeper into this because I actually found the origins of this story quite fascinating.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh,
0: I, I don't have, I guess a couple times and we're finding it out with Ron Howard that he's, he's quite nostalgic for Americana. He is, yeah. And so a lot of his films, you know, if we think about even to the extent The Grinch, yeah. Could be based upon... Oh, the Grinch is pure American. It, but Seuss, Dr. Seuss is That's American. right. And, and again, probably things like... Thankfully, the paper has more... It's relatable because you could port that across to newspapers in Australia. Yeah. But there's a very American sense to it. Again, guess All of these films have...
1: I would say the only ones to me that are not American are obviously a Rush. and Far and away?
0: Oh no! Because no, then no, they no, far yeah, away, that's right. I, I was, I was almost going to say
1: Willow, but it has Willow has that American
0: Cinderella man.
1: Nah, I would just say Rush, Frost Nixon. Nah, Frost Nixon pure. Jeez. You know, like oh well, Frost Nixon. You can almost say it's like UK versus yeah. You know the
0: US. I'd say Angels and Demons feels like a European film. Yeah, it does in a way, but it feels like an
1: Americanized it European. Feels like,
0: um. An American,
1: an American, just, yeah, a well, lot it is, an American film set in Europe.
0: Yeah. And so it's almost like I've come to realise that Howard, like that, it's almost, I don't want to call it patriotism because patriotism could be misconstrued as love of the flag or that sort of thing. Yeah. But I guess that Americana, when we say that, is about just American life.
1: Well, you also
0: taken into account. Howard's
1: life, man. Yes, this is true. Raised in Americana. You know what I mean? Like all of all his whole career is just knee deep or neck deep in just American culture. Yes. Um, and that's also impacting American culture and you know, and manipulating American culture. His whole life it's just it's just you look in American culture, you'll see Opie somewhere. Yes. You know what I mean? And you'll see him somewhere.
0: Yeah, so I find it very interesting that today's film is based upon the story of Moby Dick, which is a great American novel. It's considered one of the greatest American novels. Yeah. So we've had a little over two years since the release of Rush and the release of In the Heart of the Sea. Now, as we're finding in some past films, there's been a few delays to releases, so In the Heart of the Sea wasn't actually intended to be such a big gap between them. He was working to to get them pretty close to Rush. But the film itself's got quite a journey. So let's sort of rewind a fair bit. Rewind it. And go all the way back to 1850. 1850. Now, Herman Melville (laughs) began writing a novel, uh, drawing on his experiences as a sailor. Now, some of these were upon whaling ships. Some of these was just as a sailor in that. American sort of seafaring. And He was a sailor. He was a sailor. He was a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a, there
1: a play. There's a play based supposedly on him and his love affair with Nigel Hawthorne. Oh, really? Yeah. They supposedly had um, a love
0: affair. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, exactly. So oh, he thanks, was great. a sailor. That's great. Very good. <laughs> so Melville had actually port in a storm. <laughs>
1: what? The Haven't you heard that? No. Used to be the old school way of saying. Um, if you just picked up any type of girl or any, or, or if you just settled on anything, um, it was any port in a storm. <laughs> so, cool. There you go. See so how from you as yeah. Dropping
0: no. us all the terms today. Yeah, that, that, Taking that, us that, to that school. actually,
1: no, that actually, that's not from my research. That's just from my life. People have said that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my dad.
0: So good. Well, Melville had found that the narrative was the most um? Uh, there's a book that was called "The Narrative of the Most Extraordinary and Distressing Shipwreck of the Whale Ship Essex," and it was actually written by the first mate Owen Chase. Yeah, Owen Chasey. So when I when I looked into Owen Chase a little bit, what's incredible is he was 23 years old at the time of this story. Amazing. Hey? When he's a first mate, 23, and a bit different of how the movie ends with Chase. Chase upon his return actually like wrote his book within the first couple of months. Yep, and and published it. So Melville found this book, and used this as an inspiration for a story he was writing, and also based around stories from the late eighteen thirties, which alleged that an albino sperm whale, which was known as Mockadick, Ooh. had been killed off the waters of Chile. Now, the reports were, and the coast, the the town off the coast of Chile yeah. was actually called Mocha, which ah. is why it was known as Mocha Dick because it was this whale that lived around there that reportedly attacked ships regularly, whaling <laughs> ships. And reports actually said that when they killed the whale and got it on board the ship to sort of dissect it and things like that, they found over 20 harpoons in it.
1: Awesome. Still stuck in the whale. Just a hardcore whale. Just a
0: hardcore whale. So, the novel he wrote actually took 18 months to write and was released in 1851 under the title The Whale and was released in three volumes. So, it wasn't originally called Moby Dick. Oh, okay. So, when you look at Moby Dick, it's actually called Moby Dick or The Whale. Ah. And that's because the three volumes then got released as one omnibus, I guess, that had... Was called Moby Dick And so the book actually wasn't very successful yeah. It was considered a, a f- commercial and financial failure Dang. And at the time of Melville's passing Which was in 1891 The book was actually completely out of print So it wow. was such a failure That people weren't wanting more copies of it It was just an obscure book So it's standing as a great American novel wasn 't actually recognized until the centennial of Melville 's birth, so in Melville was born in 1819, yeah, and it was around 1919 that they drew it had a bit of an underground following, uh, and people okay. said, this guy who we think is a really good writer, wrote this book, and then it started becoming the big best-selling novel and the literary classic. That it is now Like Uwe Boll But <laughs> Definitely a hundred years from now uh, Let's see
1: just, He's just amazing god
0: Based So based upon That It, it became famous Quite late Yeah Now We're going to fast forward A little bit to 1960 Where A manuscript Of Thomas Nickerson's Account of his Experiences On board the Essex Yeah and Thomas Nickerson Is played by Tom Holland In this film Yay, Tommy! So, this manuscript was actually discovered in 1960. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the manuscript's journey is just incredible. So, following his ordeal on the Essex, Nickerson returned to sea. So, straight away, he actually went back on another boat. What's he going to do? And, well, also the solace of being on sea, I could (laughs) see, as being a, a, a strangely good place to regain yourself yeah if you had a safe journey not whale related um so upon returning he began running a guest house in nantucket as we saw at the start of the film and one of his guests was a writer named leon lewis Uh so a little bit different to how it's portrayed in the in the film leon lewis during his stay really encouraged nickerson to write his story and in 1876, Nickerson sent his manuscript to Lewis, who was living in New York at the time. Now, unfortunately, Lewis did nothing with the manuscript. He was actually in financial ruin Lewis. and looking to escape it. So what he did was he jumped on a ship and sailed to England to escape all the debt and the um, creditors that were chasing him. Yeah, go At, England. Into, I, mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> so to pay off some of his debts, Lewis's property was sold. So his, his home and <laughs> all contents <laughs> were sold. But one of his friends, whose name was Darius Ogden, went into his home and salvaged a few items I mean, before that. yeah. Right? So he stored them in the attic of his home. Darius Ogden did. Now, the Ogden house ended up being passed through generations after Ogden's passing. Yeah. And it wasn't until 1960 that one of the members of his family, yeah, went into the attic and thought, "Far out, I have got to start cleaning this place up. It's so messy." And they discovered the manuscript. <laughs> now, when they found it, they actually thought it was fake. They thought it was some like joke story yeah. or almost like oh, fan fiction. Diary. That, um, well, I'm going to be honest, I don't know a lot about Hitler's Diary. Greg, oh, they so supposedly
1: found Hitler's Diary in a thing and it was fake.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So she thought this was like a, like a fan fiction based around the Moby yeah. Dick book and just was like, ah, oh, it's nothing. I'll just put it back in the attic and that was fine. And it wasn't until 20 years later she moved, uh, went on a holiday to Nantucket. Yeah. And while looking at the history around, was like, wow, I wonder if that manuscript actually is real up there. Yeah. And then took it to an expert to get authenticated. So, in 1984, the loss of the ship Essex sunk by by a whale and the ordeal of the crew in open boats was published, which was Thomas Nixon's manuscript. That was within her roof. Yeah. So, it literally went nearly uh, over 150 years... Hot this, this account of it not being brought. The only true account they had to go on was Owen Chase's yeah. account of it all. So in 1986, a freelance writer named Nathan Philbrick moved with his family to Nantucket. Now he was a passionate sailor. Yep. had worked writing for sailing magazines for years. So mm-hmm. Nantucket was a place that he wanted yeah. to be. Sailing is just in its blood, and so you don't well, want to be a landsman. No, no not no, at no, all. Don't. Not at all. Philbrick was just so passionate about it. He just began immersing himself in the rich history of of the island, and he began writing nonfiction books based upon the historical historical accounts that he heard throughout it would research it and in 1994 he publishes his first book now he releases a couple more books and in 2000 uh in the heart of the sea the tragedy of the whale ship essex was released Now, the book used accounts from both Thomas Nixon and Owen Chase and was really well received upon its release. So much so it actually won the U.S. National Book Award for nonfiction in 2000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so from that, obviously Hollywood thinks, oh, wow, this is a really good opportunity to make a movie. And so starts the journey of book to screen. So... In 2000, the rights were purchased by Miramax and intended for Barry Levinson to direct the film. Miramax,
1: speaking of friggin' sperm whales.
0: Yes. And <laughs> it's difficult because there is a Weinstein involved with this project all the way through to its release. Oh, is it? Unfortunately, it's someone that is not related to the actual Harvey oh, cool. Weinsteins. Is Paula Weinstein, who is a producer, and it's really sad. She's actually, in recent years, had to come out and say that her career has suffered just being guilty by association of having the same surname ah, poor as brothers. someone who was horrible. Same with the Hitlers. They struggled. <laughs> they struggled. <laughs> poor, poor Hitlers. <laughs> that's right. You just had to change your name. Yeah, exactly. And that's same it. with the niggers. <laughs> oh, whoa. Have you ever seen that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Dave Chappelle, I'm referencing the Dave oh Chappelle Oh my god, it's like crazy. <laughs> Dave Chappelle joke. So there's a white family called the Niggers. <laughs> oh my
0: goodness,
1: <laughs> it's so funny. He's so good. Oh, he? it's a brilliant. It's a, and Dave Chappelle plays the wacky postman who comes in.
2: What up, Niggers? <laughs>
1: and they're like, hey. <laughs> Niggers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. I wouldn't use that word any other time. No,
0: no, no. In two thousand and one, Screen Daily reported that a first look two year deal had been signed between a company called Inner Media. They were an in- indie production company. Yeah. And Barry Levinson's Baltimore Productions and Paula Weinstein's producing company as well. Yeah. The first look deal. Uh, part of it was that Barry Levinson's In the Heart of the Sea would be the first film released under that two year deal. So Charles Levitt was brought on to start writing the script. Now at the time he was really close to having K released that was his first film. Did not mind written. it? Read he, the book. He would go on to also write The Blood Diamond. Love that man. And the Warcraft film. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that's, so that's very random. So but the project began to flounder. After a couple of years. And Levinson ultimately left the film. Now, oh, Weinstein was really passionate about this project. She loved it, thought it would translate to the big screen really well. So she kept pushing forward on it. And in 2009, it was actually announced that Edward Zwick would be directing. Oh, really? Oh, so Zwicky. for those who don't know Edward Zwick, he has gone on to direct films like The Last Samurai. Yeah. Um. Oh, man. Did Legends you, of the Fall. Yeah. Did you do Archangel with Ooh, I don't know Daniel about Craig? Archangel. Not sure about that one. He did Love and Other Drugs. He's made quite a lot of cool yeah. big films. Uh, so it was, during that announcement, it was announced that Zwick and his writing partner, Marshall Herskovich, would be rewriting the script. Now, Herskovich had written Last Samurai, would go on to write Last Samurai, Love and Other Drugs. Oh, cool. Worked pretty closely with Edward Zwick. So the project then slowed down again and Zwick ended up passing it to move on to other projects. Gosh. Yeah, I know. So the project then finds itself a new home at Warner Brothers. Now, around that time, the Edward Zwick time, they thought the project would be released by DreamWorks. Yeah. And it would be a part of their deal with Paramount to distribute. Oh, okay. So the project then finds itself a new home without a director... At Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers were equally as passionate about it as Paula Weinstein. God. And so they start moving forward on the project again. So in 2012, Chris Hemsworth is in the middle of having one of the biggest years ever. Go Chrissy. He's just come off the back of Thor yep. in 2011. He's got Avengers releasing. woo And Snow White and the Huntsman releasing. Oh, yeah. In the one year. He'd, and he was in the middle of filming Rush, where he would be the star of Ron Howard's next film. So in June 2012, without a director on board, it's announced that Warner Brothers signed Hemsworth to star in In the Heart of the Sea. And the press release also announced that they were using Levitt's original script, not the Edwardswick Zwick oh, okay. version of it. So a few months passed. And in January 2013, Vulture announces that Ron Howard was looking to direct the project. Ooh. At this point, Howard was in negotiations for a few projects. He'd been announced a couple months earlier that he would be directing The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. (gasps) God,
1: I wish he did. Man, I
0: love that book. It's so good. (laughs) And a J.J. Abrams produced drama called All I've Got. Oh. Now both the graveyard book and all I've got were still early in the early days of sort of scripting yeah. and and getting the project off the ground, so it didn't make sense for Howard to jump straight into those because he wants to keep momentum going and oh, yeah, making he's just projects. Very busy man. So, in the heart of the sea was actually viewed as a project that was already pretty heavy into development. Yep, and should be an easy jump across for Howard to to step into a script and get the project rolling instead of having to build it from scratch. So later during press for the film, Howard actually mentions that Hemsworth was the one that brought him onto the project. So oh. in the middle of Rush, he starts Hemsworth starts telling Ron Howard about his next film coming up called In the Heart of the Sea. And Howard started becoming intrigued by the project. And so Hemsworth convinced him to take this one on as his next project. Awesome. Yeah, pretty cool, isn't it? That is it? really cool. So with Howard on board, he begins casting. And in April 2013, they announced that Tom Holland was signed for the film. At the time, Tom Holland is 17 years old. Oh, man. So I didn't get a chance to look, but I'm assuming this is pre-Spider-Man. It is-
1: he actually got offered the role while on this.
2: Oh wow. I remember this is an
1: old story. So supposedly Disney had offered him Disney Sony had offered him the role. Yeah. And he asked Chris
0: Oh wow. about
1: it. and he gave him advice about he should take it and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, so good. Right He'd probably be coming off the back of the impossible. Yeah, which probably he was impossible, amazing yeah. in. So then they go on to add Killian Murphy a few months later. And the rest of the cast followed from there. Yeah, and then they just got every Game of Thrones actor. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you say that because... Because they'd be
1: filming around the same place.
0: I'm pretty sure the casting director was the Game of Thrones casting director. Makes a lot film. of sense. So that makes so much sense. Why well, you mentioned that and all the pieces clicked together for <laughs> me. And <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, There we go. Um, actually, for the role of the captain, it was rumoured around the same time they were looking at Benedict Cumberbatch to be in that the That would film. have been better. Tom Hiddleston. And Henry Cavill were all Obviously, considered for except it. Except for Cavill. So, then they choose Benjamin Walker to be in the film. Yeah. What's he done since? I don't know, actually. Man, Should we have I, a little I've look? Seen, I've seen bits What's of him. What's he been in before this, Craig? I had no
1: damn idea. So you I starting, know his face. Yeah. I know his face. But Far then enough. I was just like, nah. Who is this dude?
0: He's He definitely had that face.
1: I didn't enjoy him at the start. Oh, no, I didn't enjoy him at the start either. But I guess whether that was really good acting or just, you know. <laughs> what, you
0: were, what you were meant to feel about him. Okay, let's have a look. He was in Jessica Jones, the TV series. Oh, <laughs> funny. He's Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Oh, yes, yes. There, that's there's right the one that most people would probably know him there from. There you go. That that's why we so haven't seen sense. him since. After that, he has really not been in much at all. He's done Jack a couple a couple films, a couple TV series, but nothing that really jumps out and you go, oh, well done. You'd think this oh. could be a potential stepping stone for Poor him. Poor Benny. So he's he's signed on for the film. Now, before they begin shooting, Howard actually brings in Peter Morgan, who yep. we've talked about wrote Rush for him and Frost Nixon. Yep. He brings Morgan in to do some rewrites and Paula Weinstein actually – during press, would talk about that those rewrites were considered quite substantial. On oh, the film. I suppose. so he came in and did a lot of work on it. So begin shooting September twenty thirteen, and the shoot lasts seventy three days. Damn, it's a big. They're shoot. Only stranded for ninety three. <laughs> I know, Shit. I know. And it featured a combination of shooting on backlots where they'd actually built a two hundred and fifty square meter water tank. Awesome to shoot on. And on location, obviously, in the Canary Islands where they were doing all those sort of You'd be island in that locations. Water case, yeah. that but that'd be hard work. The majority of the film was actually filmed on a ship, on a tank. So they're all on water for a heap of the ship. Oh, that makes me sick. So Hemworth was so busy at this point. He actually wrapped filming Black Hat and 24 Hours arrived to start shooting in the heart of the sea. Oh, wow. So, he literally flew from from Michael Mann's Black Hat to where they were filming in the heart of the sea. In order Just cashing in. Good on you. Good on you. But I've got to Hard give him props man. in this because during it, we've got to think, he's not only promoting Black Hat. Yep. Like So, he's got Black Hat done. He promotes Rush during the filming of this film. Yep. There's premieres and stuff, which is going on while he's losing weight for oh, the yeah. role. Drastically. And they... They all had to lose rate crazy. Hemsworth actually calls it the most grueling shoot that he's ever done, both phys- physically and emotionally, yeah, and they were really uh, they wanted them to work like a well-oiled machine on the ship, yeah, it's so actually had cameras hidden all around the ship by the cinematographer. And they had no idea where they would be. So at any time, they couldn't just be standing there watching someone act. They had to act as if they were on the boat. Oh, superb! And that's where those moments come, where things are like splashing onto a camera. You know those really gritty, yeah, those awesome shots that are all inserted that are actually the on the floor of the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I love that. And stuff. that's so the it. cinematographer had put like basically GoPros all throughout the ship to just capture. Oh, that's superb! Pieces, that's superb. And so they had to be on their toes at the all, at the whole time. Now at the end of the shoot, each actor was only allowed to eat around five hundred calories a day. In Ooh. order for them to shred the weight that yeah. they'd had. Now, I did a bit of research because I'm like, 500 calories? What is that? What
1: is 500 calories?
0: 500 calories is literally a plate of steamed vegetables and steamed chicken. Ooh. But one for the entire day. Oh, that's... that's
1: I'd be dead.
0: Could you imagine just oh, eating oh, yeah, that?
1: I don't want to imagine.
0: So, in order to lose weight, they all had to do that. And I think Hemsworth lost... I think he was... Actually, I did do that. (laughs) Nellie, he was... You you were unworthy. I did do that, yeah. I did do that, yeah. Crazy man. That's how I lost 20 kilos. Um, Hemsworth was almost 100 kilos for Avengers. Of muscle. And it was muscle. Mm. And he got down to like low 70s. Low 70s,
1: wow. Yeah. That would be hard because he was big. He was Like Thor was bulky until Ragnarok.
0: And so we really need to have a think about it as well because Thor was, for Dark World, he is monstrous. He is, yeah. He is just monstrous. And imagine what that's doing to Hemsworth's body.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. But hey, if it's going to happen to anyone's body, his is the most fit to recover from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: But like you talk to, you hear interviews with some actors. Yeah, like Christian Bale. Christian Bale, Matt Damon talks about the fact that his body never actually recovered from Uh, the the things he put it through with Courage Under Fire. That's it, Courage Under Fire. So it's pretty crazy. So Hemsworth's promoting Rush while shooting these scenes and losing weight. So imagine doing a press, like he's doing press junkets for this film, coming back to shoot and just jumping between. So he's really working very hard. Now, a really cool thing that I found was they actually shot an alternate opening to this film. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was in the vein of Jaws, depicting the whale basically hunting ships. Oh, awesome! And it featured the Spanish crew that we see washed up on the shore. Yeah, because he's a good actor, the, the captain of that. Yeah, and so it was a whole opening scene where you watched him sailing his ship, and then them being hunted by the whale, and then oh, washing up to that island oh. to sort of give a. So I don't know whether I didn't check the Blu-ray. It could be on there actually. Yeah. Uh, as something I could see, but yeah, we'll have a look. Maybe if we find it on YouTube, we could pop. Yeah, it up Yeah, exactly. For people I watch it on at.
1: Amazon Prime. So.
0: Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray, so uh, we watched that the other night. Uh, so, the film was actually scheduled to release March 13, 2015. And that would have been only a couple months after Rush was released. Oh. <laughs> right? But it got delayed. Oh, actually, it would have been a bit after a year after Rush was released. Oh, Nine okay. Superb. Months, sorry. But it got delayed through to December 11 so they could convert the film to 3D. Oh, now, this was yes, around that time, Craig, right. where heaps of people were converting films to 3D because you were guaranteed a bigger box office return.
1: Yeah, true, very true.
0: And so they they did that. And I remember back when I did the filmmaking masterclass that Ron Howard does, yeah. that he talks about how proud he was of the 3D conversion. And so they took that much time because he didn't want it to be one of those Wrath of the Titans and Clash of the Titans (laughs) are often sort of used as examples of where it just looks like a cardboard cutout for their 3D conversion. But But that's his acting. (laughs) (laughs) That's Sam Worthington's acting as well. Um, So Howard really wanted this to look like a genuine 3D. Yeah. And I guess in a post-Avatar world, 3D had to look genuine. It had to look spectacular, yeah. So they take quite a lot of time. They also push it to December because they considered this an awards contender. Now, they also didn't think this through very well for the film. Yeah. It released the week before Star Wars, The Force Awakens was released. Ah, what
1: geniuses. Geniuses. So,
0: we will consider that when we talk about box office takings.
1: Oh, hell yeah. You would have to, to expect a, a fairly large drop-off on the second Very week. Very much so.
0: So, the film wasn't a success both financially and critically. In actual fact, critically, it got panned. Yep. And financially... It didn't make what it cost to make the film.
1: Well, yeah, it looks like an expensive film. Like, it's, all the money's on the screen. The, you the, know, the visual quality. effects
0: are massive. It's quality. It's a $100 million film. Ooh, shush. And it made $93.9 million oh, at the World close, wide Box Office. close, close. So, Craig, do you want to hear what was released in 2015? Freaking hoff, man. I'm curious obviously, Force Awakens. So, the number one film for 2015 was Star Wars... The Force Awakens. Man, remember how
1: pumped you were to see the trailer? Oh. And to see, like, the Freak. Millennium Falcon. just oh.
0: Remember, we went and saw it in IMAX at Darling Harbour? Yes, we did. And we took the day off work. Yes. We went with our brothers? Yes, we did. It was really cool. They had a real BB-8 in the foyer. That's right. And there was someone, it's opening day we went and saw it, and there was someone in almost an exact replica of the Kylo Ren out uniform oh man the they were pretty hardcore man wasn't it good
1: I remember I remember the girl next to me crying yeah like when um when Harrison Ford arrived she yes. just cried to grab my arm crazy is not it, it was it was it was oh that was oh, actually that was one of my favorite movie experiences man hey everyone was just there to love the film
0: weren't they ever and
1: exactly then they went on the internet and turned it to different people but at the time
0: hey amazing. I got to say love it's Love. my favorite of the three new Star Wars films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think out of that trilogy, Force Awakens felt like a Star Wars film.
1: It, it's it's very much, it's very much, it's similar to, it's very similar to New Hope. Yes. You know what I mean? Isn't it? If like, I know a lot of people say, well, let's look at copy, but yeah, well, that's the
0: point. You know what I mean? It was the perfect nostalgia trip. Yeah, exactly. For Star Wars fans. And also, it's a perfect introduction for a new Star Wars fan. Yes. Exactly. So. I guess if you're trying to reboot a franchise, mm. objective achieved in that first. And then
1: it just yeah, looks like it just got overmanaged.
0: Yeah, and there's still lots of stuff coming out about Rise of Skywalker oh, this really? week. I saw someone uh, words officially coming out that they actually had no idea who Ray's parents were. Oh, that's right. No, Daisy Ridley said that, and that's pretty full on to think that that was played so well in that first episode. Yes, the fact. I'm going to be honest, it would not have been disappointing if it ended up being that Han was her father. Yeah, exactly. You know, like people would have been like, oh, we saw it coming. You wouldn't have cared. Yeah. You would
1: have loved it. I was going for a Kenobi. Yes. I was going for a Kenobi. I
0: think... Because I
1: remember one guy put it perfectly. It would have changed the whole legacy of the whole series. 100%. From a Skywalker series... To a Kenobi, Kenobi series,
0: which then makes the prequels perfect. I know exactly. Kenobi series, exactly.
1: It would have just, it would have just blended beautiful. It would have just balanced it all out.
0: Yes, yes. Oh man, This chats making me want to go back and watch same, them again. Same. I love it. I actually just managed. I bought Force Awakens the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, I got a three D copy. They're oh. really hard to get a hold of. I'm looking forward to busting out the number two film for 2015. And again, we really need to keep this year in mind when we think about in the heart of the sea not making more than a hundred million dollars. Oh gosh. Which like ninety three, which is pretty it's good. a pretty decent box office return in a year of monstrous films. Awesome. The number two film, Jurassic World. Woo! Ooh, I like your use of monstrous. It's oh yes, oh yes, very good, perfect, perfect, it's good, very good. Thank you. Good. good. That's good. <laughs> that is literally one of my favourite moments in Kill Bill: Craig. <laughs> so I'm so glad you did <laughs> that <Good>. well. <laughs> the number three film for 2015 was Fast and the Furious Seven. Which again was just massive that year. I think it's the first year that The Rock was part of everything. Oh, and cool. so we're really pumping here. Cool. We still obviously haven't seen it, but the number four film, and this will show you how big a year it was, was Avengers: Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah,
1: Venge, yeah, Avengi's, yeah. so crazy. I was watching that the other day. Awesome. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're we're going. Uh, we watched Civil War. We watched bits of Ultron and then we watched Black Panther the other day.
0: Oh. For nice. Chadwick. Yeah, man. Very fitting. Very fitting. Number five, Minions. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, hated it. Did you? Hated it, man. The hated prequel it. of the minions. Yeah. <laughs> yep. not the
1: Spook of Me. Brilliant. Oh. All those Craig. Minions crap.
0: Number six was actually a bit of a disappointing one for Jeff Reed. Love the opening. It's a couple of cool moments. I'm about to get there again in my home watching. James Bond returns for Spectre. Oh, really? Yeah. I still haven't watched it all. Great opening. Still haven't watched it Craig, all. You know, I'm so excited for the new one. I'm so I, excited.
1: I'll be there to watch the new one. Oh. Hey, I Just like so to watch Daniel Craig get shot in the face.
0: On air board meeting. <laughs> yep. Do you want to go see. <laughs> <That's the object>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not listening to you, Craig. No one will kill my Daniel shot Craig. Shot in his face. On air board meeting, we should go watch that new Seth Rogen movie. Have Trust you heard about oh, really? the pickle? An American pickle. That sounds interesting. It's, it's on a camp Oh, is it real? Yeah, we should do <laughs> it. I'm really keen to see. Oh, it. Just the
1: Seth Rogen's humor can sometimes be just incredibly on point, or just this
0: will be like obscure and wacky, or yeah,
1: or just like bullshit stuff where you can tell he's just getting his mates on board to do stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell. I think this
1: might be different. It looks different. Like yeah. it looks like it actually has like a through line for the and film. And a bit of heart It's not it. just skits thrown together. Yep.
0: But we'll see. Number seven, Pixar's Inside Out. Oh, what a
1: brilliant film, hey? Yes. What a brilliant film. Oh, What a brilliant film, man.
0: I actually think if we were to do a Pixar season of this podcast one day, if we weren't doing directors, I reckon Inside Out would potentially be to one the, of their best to films. To the moon. Oh, <laughs> oh so just got to
1: break my heart, man. Bing it's bong. So yeah, I know. Oh, man, fucking bing bong broke my I cried.
0: I, I cry cried. every time I, I see fu- that bit. Just bing bong, man. I love yeah, bing bong. Yeah, bing bong sing song. That's what he used to call oh, it. Man, bing bong. What happened to bing bong sing song? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fucking hard stuff. No, but. Jurassic eight.
1: World was hard, too. I cried to that, too.
0: Jurassic World is
1: good, it's man. Jurassic
0: World? Fallen is Kingdom?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of Fallen
0: where Kingdom. Where they're all, like, getting, like, Where they're the all lava. Yeah, they're
1: lava, and you yeah. just see the Brachiosaurus on the. Yeah, thing. yeah. Carter and I bawled. It's. Fucking Bald.
0: i rate the new jurassic world oh movies. man
1: i rate them all i think they're they're, yeah. they're top shows top shows
0: number eight was mission impossible rogue nation it's pretty good darn good darn good i love mission impossible yeah number nine the hunger games mockingjay part two
1: yeah that's pretty crap hey i was very disappointed i've not it.
0: seen the last two Hunger Games. i was games.
1: disappointed in it i like a build up so well yes and then the last one it seems like Jennifer Lawrence was like, oh, I'm just so bored of franchises. <laughs> I am. Just dumb. a gun jumping from one franchise to another. I just Too want to much. be an actress again.
0: Yes. Mm. Yes, very much so. It's probably around the time she won an Oscar. Yeah, true. Her second. So, number 10, Craig, is one of my favourite films for 2015. Matt Damon in The Martian. Oh!
1: Uh,
0: Go Marty. The bird is being flipped at Craig. Still
1: haven't seen it. Yeah, whatever. Shoot him in the face.
0: Now, we've actually <laughs> talked about another film in 2015. Have we? And we've actually mentioned it already today on the podcast. Robert Zemeckis releases The Walk. Oh, God, man. Now, I I have to say, I like this, Joseph is, Levitt. this is a really important part in thinking about this because Howard has close ties with Zemeckis and Spielberg. Yep. And Zemeckis was very big on pushing 3D for the walk ah, as yes. a spectacle film. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of that talking about the technology with Howard in the convincing on you should do it, but do it right. So also released was Michael Mann's Black Hat. Ah, there you go. Shit. With Chris Hemsworth. Still haven't seen it. Hey, and me now, either.
1: And now, ever since you told me um, about last that week about director's, the cut? director's cut, I don't want to watch it until I
0: see. I don't it. think it's been released, but I definitely know it's floating around out there. Yeah, because surely
1: it can't be too much to cut together. There mustn't be much effects in Black Hat.
0: Yeah. Now, I actually I also read somewhere this week that um, I have uh, someone I, I know that's into cyber security oh. as a bit of a hobby. Yeah. And hobby hobby. amongst the community Black Hat is actually considered one of the best most accurate portrayals of like the hacking yeah. stuff in film. So they that whole community loves Black Hat because it's so true to what they actually do. Release the man cut. So release the man cut. Release it. Lose it. Speaking of excellent cuts, X Machina was released. Ooh, Alex Garland. Man, who thought he was
1: real. so good? eh? I know, I
0: know. Damn, that was a well. It wasn't really a surprise. It's just like you didn't expect. No, Alex Garland. The well, he'd had a couple failures as a director. Like almost directed him, and then they went away. Yeah, that's almost right. Directed, he did. Yeah, and he started wondering. He's like the guy who
1: wrote the the photo booth, or whatever
0: he's like. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: remember when he kept coming back, and I think he's still gone. Yeah, it was it's, Robert Williams.
0: It's weird. oh, a one hour photo. It's one hour photo. Yeah,
1: the guy who directed that. Maybe he directed heaps of like awesome film clips. Like, um, yeah. I can't remember. His really name.
0: close to being somebody. Yeah, always
1: you always heard him connected, and then yep. he goes. Then it always turned two months later. Creative differences.
0: Yeah, yes. and Alex Garland because he was going to make the Halo film. Oh, that's right. And so that the one that Peter oh, that Jackson, TV Jackson was backing. I heard they're still pushing on it. Well,
1: they've still got the, that. That is really good. He is. He, he is, is I like He's him. good in American Gods.
0: Uh, also released Judd Apatow's Trainwreck. <laughs> I like it. I love
1: it. that movie, man. Yeah. I was watching a clip from the other day, John Cena. Yeah. He said, Mark Warburg. Yeah.
0: i got to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> John Cena is surprisingly he is funny. Hilarious, man. He John was, Cena is brilliant. He was really funny in Doolittle. Oh, really? I've, uh, I've, he I've does seen the polar bear. My, Oh, really? Yeah. I've got to watch it, man. He voices the polar. My dude. son su-
1: suddenly got into John Cena. Oh. Yeah, for some weird random reason. It, kids that? are right into John Cena. John Cena!
0: Yeah, it's like in YouTube And I'm like,
1: YouTube do you even thing? know what you're talking about, man? He's like, yeah, he's wrestling. Oh,
0: <laughs> he's uh, he's popular for being a meme. Oh, player. yeah, true. So true. It's, it's interesting. Uh, my favourite film of the year was George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. What a... Great film yes, Not the indeed. best one of that year
1: But still a damn good it
0: film It was the best film of that. Damn, I know Hands making. down oh, Speaking the of face. Speaking of great <laughs> films of the year Denis Villeneuve Denis Villeneuve Sicario Oh really? Yeah What a damn so hard film good. Is so Man good. how about that trailer for Dune? Oh shut the front door oh, Craig man, so I teared excited. up in it Put Pardon? I teared up in it. Oh, man, I seriously, I just... In the trailer. I felt silly, but I was like, you know, when you've read the book and you read something that's just like, you know how dense and hard... It's almost like how we felt when the Watchmen trailer came out. Yeah. because you And watching the first, like, five minutes of the Watchmen. Yeah, Yeah, it was just like, no one's ever going to be able to convey what the book feels like, looks like, in a way that's not a jumbled mess. Also, to see talent...
1: Do it, yeah. You know I mean, like, don't get me wrong. David Lynch is a talent, but David Lynch put too much David Lynch into it, yes, and it wasn't really as per the book, yeah. But yeah, just to watch him, you know, I'm that, hoping that, that TV series was fucking horrible, yeah. yeah, horrible, and it's all through Amazon Prime. Oh, they they have heaps they of love that stuff it. They have the it, children with James McAvoy, yeah. <laughs>
0: Man, it looks yeah, it looks I'm horrible. I'm really I feel like Dune is one of those books like The Lord of the Rings, yeah. They have to do justice to the book, yeah. Rather than trying to do your own version of the book. See, that's just hard, man. That's why
1: it's hard to do these big films, yeah. Because you are just so worried that it's not it's going to end up as a one off, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, obviously thinking sort of like Dark Tower if it was done properly, yeah. Um, and this one's only half of the first book,
0: yeah. Well, his his agreement was if he's doing it, they have to let him make two, yeah. But so they, so they haven't. Getting...
1: But no, no, they haven't greenlit too yet.
0: Oh, they're greenlit too. Nah, they haven't greenlit He's actually. got the keys. Trust me, Denny's got the the keys at Warner Brothers.
1: Really? Because Warner Brothers are
0: fickle. I'm telling you, Warner Brothers, they're top two people that have the keys at the moment Christopher Nolan, Dennis Fillner. No. No. They're the people that they've got the keys. I'm worried about it. I'm t- they got the keys. I'll say it. I'm worried. they got I'm the keys. I'm worried. I'm worried. Also released, speaking of films you should be worried about, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, fuck. Have you ever
1: seen it? No. Man, I've just seen like No interest. And these two have no chemistry whatsoever. It's just fucking two cardboard things just talking to each other. Do you know
0: what though? He was, and they're good actors. He was, on, he was awesome on Once Upon a Time, the TV series. Yes. He plays the Huntsman. Oh, does he? Yeah, he was so good on that. Like had great chemistry on it. And but I actually think it's her. She's Anything actually, I've I seen see some her
1: of her. In. I've seen some of her. She has a smugness to her. Yes. Um, but apart from that, I think she. I. I think she's talented, but I think it suffers from the same thing that Twilight suffers from. because you know Pattinson yeah. and all them are good actors. Yeah. I'm um, not Taylor Lawton. No, he was shite. Yep. But they're good actors. They're just in the wrong thing. They're not inspired at all. No. It's almost no. like they just did it to. Well, you know.
0: I'm surprised too that people were able to, like Fifty Shades of Grey famously was fan fiction that became a book. Yep. I believe it was Twilight fan fiction that became a a book. There's a new series at the moment called After and the sequels out at the moment at the cinema It's called After We Collided. Now, that actually started as Harry Styles fan fiction. Oh, wow. So, One Direction fan fiction. And when I looked into it, because heaps of... She's Aussie. Oh, is she? Yeah,
1: so her sister is... um the one from Thirteen Reasons Why.
2: Oh, I okay. And The one in
1: Cursed on Netflix. Yeah. And and you know she played. no, yeah, and she played Iron Man's daughter in. Yeah. yeah in yeah. that cutout sequence. Yeah. So they're two sisters.
0: Ah, uh, well, the the books just a, when I looked them, it, it's a horrible story. It's just about a girl that's in love with the bad boy at school, and it becomes this abusive relationship that she just hopes will get better.
1: It's like that stupid Netflix show, 365 Days. Oh, I've heard people talk about it. Everyone's going off about it and stuff like that. and People are saying, oh, it's so hot. And just think, a gangster kidnaps a woman and fucking says, look, you got um, to, st- I'm going to make you fall in love with me in 365 days. Yeah. Some crap like that. Yeah. And it's seriously, I tried to, like, I tried to flick through just to see stuff because they said this one scene. I said, I want to see this scene too. It is pretty raunchy, but it's like, Really? It's nothing, just shit.
0: Yeah. It looked horrible. Yeah, I, I had an opportunity, this is terrible, but I had an opportunity to talk about After We Collided last week on oh, the yeah. radio show that that we review films on. And in the end, I was just like, I can't bring myself to promote this film. Like, it just just sounded Oh man, horrible Seriously, thing. And the amount of people who think that that's the way relationships function. Women's fan fiction
1: is starting to easily represent men's porn. It's weird, isn't it? I know. It's funny how they really get into this collision when they used to be... Well, from what I knew, it used to be just solely sep- um, separate. But, yeah, this these abusive, domineering, you know, yeah. um, creatures who just abuse a poor girl. Or, you know, like fucking Twilight, like a girl at high school. And yeah. 100-something, 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that'd strange. that would been awesome.
0: So strange. I know. It's
1: horrible. horrible. Now,
0: to flip the coin and show where people... Have a female's interest in heart. Magic Mike XXL was released. Oh, cool! See, that's good. It's really good. the yeah, heaps good. Great film. Uh, also, released Terminator Genesis. I believe we Didn't talked about it just, it. just the other day on, on on an episode.
1: He's Aussie as well. People
0: don't ever fucking pick I up. I love him as an actor. Great Pe- character. Yeah, actor. man,
1: Jason. I don't know. Yep, but Sorry. Jason, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I say. But a lot of people don't pick it up that he's and he's, he's Such a Amazing in The Great Gatsby. Yeah, man. And he's such a, like, he's, he is everywhere. Yeah. He's like the modern day Chaz Palminteri. He's just in yeah. everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love he's it. He's just in everything. What
0: a great reference for movie dudes. No, no, I like loved a- I loved him in his role in Zero Dark Thirty. Yes. He's so good he's in that good, film. man. He
1: always, and he has that. I don't know whether he's like Travis Fimmel, he just he has that slightly drunk look like yeah. he's been up all night. <laughs> Maybe that's an Aussie thing. It's an thing. Aussie thing. Because you know, Chris
0: Hemsworth has that sometimes too. Very much so. Yeah. Also released was Paul Rudd in Ant-Man. Loved it. Loved it. Guy Ritchie released The Man from UNCLE. Still haven't watched it, hey. I it's know you're keen.
1: Good. And it's it's on one of the streaming services I was It's thinking, on Netflix. That's all it. the time. And I go, should I? You I should. know Jeff says I like it. You definitely should. Uh, just Army Hammer sometimes pisses me off.
0: Our Army He's Hammer Bob versus burnt. Henry Cavill. I
1: burnt. Lone Ranger burnt me, man. <sighs> That just that steaming hot Speaking pole of, of dog shit. Speaking of films that could have shit him you? in the face,
0: what is up with that today? <laughs> I don't know, man. I really don't. <laughs> it's so aggressive. Speaking go of a gangster, Jupiter Ascending was released. Man, I wish. I wish I knew What more. could have been? I wish that
1: was a Netflix series, man. I wish uh, the Wachowski sisters got rid of that piece of crap that they did on Netflix. Yeah. And Sensei. Sensei. Did you see it? I saw like one episode and I was bored. Uh.
0: I haven't seen it. I, know. I, I heard wish, a few people I say you I had,
1: had get to this. get through like three episodes to really get to the good stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, and yeah, you shouldn't have to. You can't do that these days, you can't. man. You need There's to hit it too much. You need from to the hit get-go. it first go. Because I, I was, I, I researched heaps on Jupiter ascending, looking for a book.
0: Oh yeah, because it felt
1: like a book. Felt like a book. Felt like you just, you know, it was just thrown in the middle of it. But man,
0: come on, girls, get out there and just make it into a TV. It too. felt like someone took. A science fiction Lord of the Rings, yeah, and condense three books into one film. Yeah, exactly. It
1: looked like it just a a a or right, adaptation of an awesome
0: book. And let's be honest, Channing Tatum deserved better out of that film. Yeah, he so just did, so did Mila. Yes, yeah, so bad. Now here's a film I think is a bit underrated. I think people panned it pretty hard. Ooh, didn't Jeff deserve to be. Did you see Neil Blomkamp's Chappie? No, never watched it. Oh, Craig. Really? For people who loved District 9, yeah, Chappie should be an easy film to get I on just, board I with. I just never got onto it. It just never never interested me. It's always on Netflix, so check it out. Yeah, I will. Like, Di-, I, Di Antwoord are just what's fun. What's he doing now, Blomkamp? Is Blomkamp he just, Is he just fucking living in, like, um, Peter no, Jackson's guest house? He started his own company that were doing short films, a visual effects company. Yeah. And he was doing that. And then he's. Maybe working. he was attached to Temeraire? or was that just Peter Jackson? Peter Jackson was. Not yeah, but Neil then Blomkamp. he was. A, Blomkamp was attached to something else. He was going to do the Alien reboot.
1: Yeah, he. That's right. He wanted to because he sent out the concept art and everything yep. like that. But he was also attached to something big. Like I thought he was attached to Halo.
0: Oh yeah, he was attached to uh, Halo.
1: Yeah, he was attached. He definitely to, was going to do so Halo. Like three or four. Big things. He was attached to
0: Mortal Engines for a while, wasn't he? Yes, he was attached to Mortal Engines. Yeah, because we we're like, we we're following we we're following heaps. He's got two projects in development at the moment: a feature adaptation of Thomas Swedlitz's The Gone World. Don't have a clue about that.
1: Oh, I thought it was going to be Thomas the Tank Engine. That would have been and awesome. Like another live
0: action film range. in development called Inferno. Ooh. Strangely oh. fitting is our next film is Inferno. Says when a cop is called to investigate a seemingly ordinary murder in the New Mexico desert, he uncovers a deeper conspiracy. Begins to expect the killer he's trying to find may be a humanoid beast. Ooh. Taylor Kitsch is attached. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man. So he deserved better. He's been. He is the
1: king of should have deserved
0: better. Hundred percent. Have you seen Waco? No. I've heard he's amazing. I know. I've out. heard he's amazing in it too. I really like Taylor Kitch. I love him. We both. John did. Carter yeah, should have been way better. Yeah. So, also released was The Intern. Still haven't seen Robert it. De Niro. Oh yeah, I know. He'd oh, Craig, way. it is
1: charming as poo. Oh really? He's yes. sort of pissing me off. Like nah. some, of, some. This
0: are. is this is the Holiday. Have you seen the Holiday? Yeah, you know, I love the Holiday. Imagine that, set within an office setting where De Niro's like, it's like a nice. Uh, what's the one that Meryl Streep's the bitchy fashion editor? Devil uh, Wears Prada. Imagine a wholesome Devil Wears Prada. Oh,
1: really? With De Niro. Oh.
0: It's so good, Craig. It's seriously anything with Nancy Myers directing. I am so on board for. Hey, it's like I'm just <laughs> we'll like do doing do Nancy Myers. I love it. The holiday. The Intern. What else do you do? It's Complicated. Oh, Jeffrey. I so love him. It's like him. a fucking
1: dying Keaton fest.
0: Oh, I love it. All right, cool. I love it so much. I'd sit
1: and watch these films. Seriously, man. i just what have are, my mum next to me.
0: One of the Oscar darlings? Okay. Spotlight. Spotlight. Oh, what a film. What a film. Yeah.
1: What a film. That's the first film I thought of when watching the paper.
0: Yeah, same. Obviously, because the same you know, but, but yeah, Spotlight's just So brilliant. good. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, really. One of those films is Hardwatch. So you don't want to hit it too often, but it's so well made. So great acting in it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Pixar released The Good Dinosaur. Oh,
1: man. Talk about it making me fucking cry I
0: know, (laughs) I know. Jesus.
1: Creed was released. What a top film, man. Hey, that just came out. I just thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of just... Oh, the generic rubbish. Yeah,
0: exactly. No. No, it was great. Adam McKay released The Big Short. Man, love it. Same,
1: love it. Love his films, man. I, I love do too. His films, man. I do I love too. His
0: film. I'm pro- I'm proposing to put him on the short list. Oh, put Adam him on McCoy. the shortlist. I think and, he's and, got uh, a fascinating. And, and Nancy yes. Myers. Nancy Myers. Woo. Let's yes. put it on because that would be
1: hell interesting. I would to. love
0: to do a, like oh, man, a romantic I'm, comedy sort of same, fest. Same, going same, same. Oh, Craig. I get, I reckon if we could do Nancy Myers. We'd yeah. get Kathy Lee on this for sure.
1: Oh, man. You could even go back and go do some old
0: school ones like love Billy it. Wilder and all them. Oh, things. I'd love to get onto that sort of thing. And finally, another Oscar Darling Craig was The Revenant.
1: You know, I still haven't watched it. Really? I know, eh? Hey? It's just one of those films that I haven't had the right opportunity to watch it. I own it. I just haven't had the, which when I mean right opportunity is I just need my wife and son to get out of my house.
0: Do you know what I think? Can I, another on-air board maybe? Yeah, go for it. John mentioned to me the other day that he's going to come up soon to visit.
1: Soonish, Right? John, you listen? Bullshit.
0: John, (laughs) come on. It's bullshit. He won't. Oh, John. When he's sitting here, then I'll believe you. John. Listen to me. John, here's our on air board meeting with you. But (laughs) what I'm suggesting, Craig, is when we do it, we do another movie night like we did. Yeah. Each of us bring one film of our choice. I've still got 1917 wrapped up there.
1: Oh, well, bring that. Well, I've got my 4K 1917 that I bought just for the occasion for all three of us, and we ended up watching. Else. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Whoa. What a top film. Yeah. <laughs> it was Jojo so Rabbit. good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what else were up watching after that? Ford vs Ferrari. Oh, yeah, man. No, no, no. They we, were both we great well. films. We did well.
0: <laughs> we did well. <laughs> they were great films. We went to bed because um, the Wi-Fi dropped out while we were streaming Jojo Rabbit. Ah, that's right, yes. There was yes. like a blackout or something going yeah. on that night. Um, so, Craig, that is 2015 in a nutshell and the journey to screen of the film. Ooh. Bit of a mission going on there. Yeah. But, it's all good. So, just in case, this is an interesting film. I reckon this one flew under a few people's radars. If I was point. a guessing guessing man. So, let's just take a moment and let's just hear about it. During an expedition in the 1820s, the whale ship Essex encounters an albino sperm whale, hell-bent for revenge. After a failed attempt to capture the whale, their ship is ruined, leaving the crew to survive in small boats without food and water. It's an epic tale of survival based around the true story that inspired Moby Dick. Let's talk about In the Heart of the Sea. So good, Craig. Now, as we ask every single week, yeah. I love to know, when was the last time you saw this film? Never. Oh, me never. too. I've never seen this film. Never. It never really, interested me. It was really interesting. Kathy Lee was telling me, and she won't mind me sharing this story, but this was a film someone she was potentially dating at the time said come over we should watch this great movie a date film and this was a date film i could see how he could confuse it like he obviously never researched it he just thought Chris no, no this was his multiple viewings of the film and oh, wanted to watch it again no then he wanted do she and so Kathy lee was very uh comical and she said oh maybe uh he wasn't too keen on this date <laughs> That's horrible. So,
1: sort of missed the mark on this one, I think. Women can make some dumb choices. Hey, this oh, wasn't man. her choice. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Just oh, like in, in men. In men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in men, like, you know, just,
0: hey, let's go. so hard to see.
1: <laughs> I love, I love when they're killing whales. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nothing gets me hotter than harpooning some whales. Damn, baby, maybe that harpooning will be an analogy. But, it, <laughs>
1: but, um, but it's It's like Brooke bringing over cuddles. Oh god. Do you remember cuddles? You cuddles? Yeah, you, you know about uh, cuddles.
0: Oh, uh, refreshes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember she
1: brought over the guy. And she's gonna listen to this and get hot. <gasps> yes, you remember it now.
0: The guy just
1: who, who she made sleep on the lounge and came. and said. I just want to cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel We're like roommates. A, we weren't married.
0: I remember uh, him leaning in his underpants against the door was yeah. the story, yeah. and saying uh, something along the line of, "Do I make you horny, baby?" Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking <laughs> in the other room. So Isn't that hilarious? Funny. Hey, so so funny. It's weird to think so that. I guess then, Craig, thinking about Ron Howard's filmography and yeah, what yeah. we've sort of gone through this season. We're already ranking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> what What did you
1: expect of the film then? Um, I expected something very look, and it's obviously not because of Chris Hemsworth, but I expected something very similar along the lines of Rush. Interesting. Um, had the similar palette, like yeah. that dull bluish. We're gonna talk about the palette because it was crazy. Dull in this bluish. Film. Look to it. Um, I expected a fairly good film. Yep. Yeah. Um, I look. Uh, I can't say I was too disappointed. Yeah, um, I think it's just a victim of bad judgment.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, man. I um, I guess for me, I had no context. Like I like to, as you're probably picking up. For people who listen regularly to the yeah. podcast I If I'm interested in a film I try not to find anything out about it Yeah, I don't want to watch trailers uh, I don't want to read up on reviews Or anything I just like to go in as fresh as I can And that way I'm not influenced by anything Yeah, In my decision making I guess I had no knowledge other than posters Of this film Yeah, I don't recall seeing a trailer Therefore I was completely unaware of the survival aspect Of the film Yeah same Same. So to me, this was going to be almost like a. (laughs) Didn't know what I expected. Was like, you know, my love of Rain of Fire? (laughs) Yes, Jeff. (laughs) Jeff. I'm not alone, Craig. (laughs) There's yeah, a whole lot alive. of people that like Rain of Fire. Christian
1: Bale doesn't even like Rain Christian of Fire. Christian Bale loves Rain of no, Fire. Oh, right. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I have you talked to him. He's it. like, yeah, McConaughey probably does.
0: McConaughey he's loves probably, it. He, he, he's, he, like, pa- he's so chilled. He
1: loves everything. All, right all right. all right, all right. We got right.
0: ourselves yeah. another Rain of Fire, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Get out the bongo. <laughs> <you want. laughs> I'd see him punching his chest and go, oh. Rain of Fire. But for me, I guess what I expected was to be like this epic tale of a sailor versus a whale. Yeah, yeah, culminating, like Moby Dick. culminating in moments. I guess I don't know enough about Moby Dick to be like, this is what would happen. But my knowledge of Moby Dick is a man versus a whale. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's, it's meant to be a captain who just gets
1: addicted to hunting down Moby Dick. Yes. Ahab.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he gets obsessed with it, can't get a, away yeah. from the thing. And I guess we get moments of it in the film, but I really expected that there would be, there's a scene where there's so much opportunity for Hemsworth to jump with his harpoon off the boat yeah, onto the whale. Yeah. And it never happens. I know, exactly. And And I guess that imagery of like, A shirtless or open-shirted Hemsworth holding a harpoon,
2: (laughs) jumping into a whale. You know what I mean? I
0: I was just waiting for that moment, and I guess the film—you got Tom Holland jumping into a whale. (laughs) That's true. Oh gosh, the poor bugger. That was so gross. But that—I guess—that image was what, to me, I thought the film was going to be like. You thought it was going to be like that, pretty hardcore, like an action film. Yeah, almost like a, a, an action sort of disastery sort of film yeah. on the ocean, th- man versus whale. I thought it was going to be more, I don't know, it sounds silly,
1: more maritime, you know, like yeah. you know, more on the large boat. Yeah. You know, instead of just them stranded on yes. you know the I mean? Like I thought it was going to be, you know, it's coming around the boat and yelling out. Totally. Stuff like that, like they did at the start of the film, where yes. they talk more, you know, when they go in, in depth about how the boat. Moves around and everything like that, and I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> but and I thought it was going to be more of that, you know what yeah. I mean? Like strategy, you know, a captain, yes. that, like like it is, I guess, like Moby Dick, Ahab versus you know a captive. I didn't expect it was going to turn into fucking like the alive, yeah, you know totally. I mean? Even Brooke was next week. She goes, "Oh man, it's like because obviously those who you know haven't seen the spoilers, but you know the ship." The whale sinks the main ship, and they're yeah. and they're all stranded on the lifeboats, and they have to um, end up, you know, eating. This is a true story too, everyone, yeah. eating people on their boat. Yep. And um, yeah, I remember Brooke turning me and going, "Man, that's they're just chopping into them, they're eating into them like alive." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, uh, but it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be awesome and cold like it was on Alive. No, I, c- I could eat if I could eat frozen human ass, but I couldn't eat just. Oh. Raw human. Oh, I know. It's especially what they, what they um, in them, there's a scene in the movie where they actually talk about what they ate first, which is logically they ate the heart
0: first because yes. it would be the softest part of the body. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy, isn't it? I know. It's, I... uh, yeah, it's just, it, it actually, when you really think about it, it's quite horrific. Oh, it's horrific, man. It's horrific. And I guess. When I think about the film, knowing that knowledge, this makes sense why Howard would be drawn to it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, you can see why such an author would be drawn to it because yep. that's what confused me a little bit too. I'm like, oh, it's, like a, it's just a retelling of Moby Dick. Why?
0: Why? Why? And why not? Why? why? <laughs> <laughs> but like why? I guess also with no knowledge, I'm like, why on earth would Ron Howard make In the Heart of the Sea and not try and make Moby Dick? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. so, I'm um, I'm glad that it's different. Mm. I, I think I love the idea. I wish there was probably more storytelling from Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, throughout the film, because I love Brendan Gleeson. I wish they just. I wish they just really got rid of the whale. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the the whale stuff. It's two different films. Yes, and then
1: it's like, oh, it's getting boring. Throw the whale in again.
0: Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like,
1: it's like an enormous hunger games and Ron Howard's at the top of Yeah, throw the whale in again. Let's rev <laughs> it's up so again. It. Oh, you Press the whale button. Press the whale button. Press the whale button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <there's a> whale. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly these guys who fucking haven't moved for days have got all this energy to pick up shit and start running around the boat.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I, I agree. It's, it is a tale of two... Like, it's two films. Yeah. It's... The survival film also is just another element in it all. Yeah. I think there are great actors who aren't given enough opportunity to shine.
1: All all of them. And look, and I'll be bluntly honest, and I love Chris Hemsworth, but the start of this movie, he's just gobbledygook.
0: Oh, he's I turned just, to Kathy Lee and I was like, what the heck accent is, is this? What
1: is he? Like, it's. I even. Looked it up. You're like, is this an Antuckian accent? You should like <laughs> this. Is where I ended up going down a rabbit hole later. But I'll talk about that later. Yeah, but, yeah. But that's no. He's just gobbledygook, man. <laughs> he's just like at the start. He's a mix between Thor and Django, and then, yeah. then then starts then then it gets weirder. It's only when they start to get into action parts where he doesn't seem. Wait, the problem with Chris Hemsworth. I think this once again. This has started with Rush as well. At the start of his career, he's better. He's a better actor when he's not acting. Yes. You know what I mean? When you just let him be a superstar on screen. Yeah. like I, you could tell. Obviously, he's gotten a better actor now. Yeah. But yeah, at this time, you should just let him be the star. Just.
0: Well, I guess a but maritime like feel, tan, tang to his yeah, voice as well. I'm like, let him be. We can quite easily forgive an English accent. Yeah. You know, if you think, let's think. Hunt for Red October is considered one of the greatest submarine films, right? Never do people complain about Sean Connery in the film. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? And so I think Hemsworth could so easily have had an English accent, which we've seen he can do well. Yeah. Thor shows that. Rush shows that. To have him try and do this hodgepodge of what I'm going to assume is a Boston accent,
1: Oh, it's it's very it's very garbled, man. It's yeah. very garbled,
0: and so it's it's just such a shame because I think Hemsworth has he has such a presence. Oh, in the film, he lights the film, and you can see coming off this like Hemsworth is about to skyrocket.
1: Yeah, exactly. You, you, even though that start is a bit wonky, you know. Yeah, the the film he's still incredibly impressive. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's what's awesome about it. Yeah. Totally. The, the, I guess the main thing, though, that I think works against the film is the actual concept in the first place that you're meant to be cheering these characters that you don't want to cheer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know Ron Howard doesn't, and I love that Ron Howard doesn't shy from the fact that they're killing whales. Yeah, that's you know, quite see, confronting. The yeah, first exactly. Time like that's you happening. see the blood splatter up on them and everything like that. But you're like, you know what? I sort of want the whale to kill you. Yes, you know what I mean. I sort of want the whale to kill you. I'm sorry, but you know, it's funny though because
0: again, the time I guess my knowledge was so uh, so limited around it that one I had no concept of the importance of Nantucket to the U.S. Yeah, I had no concept that this was pre them finding crude oil. Yeah, so therefore. I had no idea the fact that they actually had to be whalers in order to light lamps. Yeah, exactly. Like, like everything. Let that settle, just sink in and go, these people literally had to go to, to sea and kill giant animals, mm. giant creatures in order to harvest oil from them for human like for, for, Industry,
1: yeah, for lanterns, yeah, you know what I mean, for oil lanterns.
0: It's so crazy because I guess in a modern sense, my only knowledge of whaling is that it's for food and perfume oils yeah, and exactly. stuff like and that. Weird Chinese science Doodles. experiment, yeah, yeah, like crushed, <laughs> yeah, crushed, exactly. like uh, aphrodisiac, yeah, things. aphrodisiacs and craps like that. So I guess knowing now where whaling has its roots. Modern whaling makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Oh, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and it's such a random... And it's such a... And obviously, and like I said, I, I, I applaud Ron Howard for, you know, not shying away from that. Yeah. But I think that it it's hard to like that film when, you know, it's like watching um, a heroic version of a slave trader... Yeah. And then suddenly suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, one of the slaves escapes and starts killing them all one by one. And you're like, oh, wow, oh, you know. Uh, uh, and the slave's meant to be the villain? No. It's, you, it's <laughs> like, you know, the whale's killing all these people who have been trying to kill it. And I just can't get, I couldn't get past it. Yeah. I couldn't get past so it. So interesting. Like, but the second it gets away from whaling, and turns it into a survival film, you forget all about it. Yeah. That's a total different film. You're just like, awesome. This is really
0: good. You know, what I mean, this is these guys are struggling, you know. Yeah. It's just these guys who are stranded. And when you get to the end where they're almost that moment and again, we're gonna get into a few little spoilers here, but the moment where Tom Holland's trying to wake Chris Hemsworth up. Yeah. And you think, Oh goodness, he's dying just as they're finding land. Yeah, exactly. And Kathy looks at me and goes, "He can't die. They've just been through all this." Yeah, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, how ballsy is this going to be that lead actor Chris Hemsworth's going to die?" Yeah, no, no, he no. survives. Chris can't die. Chris. Chris can't, can't die.
1: It's too beautiful playing. to die. He is. He's too even sure. he's in an emaciated form. He's still beautiful. <laughs> he,
0: <laughs> still, he was pretty emaciated. A, still like a
1: hundred, hundred times better looking than I
0: am. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No? I did hear that uh, Tom Holland, because he was so young, was not allowed to get below a certain weight. Oh man, he's like he's like ten kilos at the best of times. So he had to put on a heap of weight before the film in order to then lose the weight and get back to his normal his normal weight. And so I had to do a bit of like makeup work to make him look so emaciated. Yeah, which wasn't bad. Wasn't not bad. bad. not bad, hmm. not bad at all. Exactly. But it's it's really interesting because on paper, you could almost see, like I feel Killian Murphy is so wasted in this Ugh, film.
1: Like there was more to him. I, I mean, would he have was rewritten out. Killian Murphy should have
0: been Chris Hemsworth. He was rewritten out, hundred percent. Because. He is like, I'm gonna. I feel Killian Murphy is one of the best actors working today. Incredibly. He is a doubt. so talented. And the moments like where he's hiding the infected cut on his head with the beanie. Yeah. Those moments are so great. Even like the emotion that he's conveying while he's sitting in the cave and wanting Hemsworth to leave. Yeah. Is so good. But to have him resign to not being like, the second in charge?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's really random. And I think that's part where I'd like to see where the direction of the other scripts went. Yeah. So, I guess in my opinion is they should have... Yes, you can't hide the fact that they're a whaling ship. Yep. Um, but it could have gone straight into... More directly into... Um, the sinking of the Essex. Yes. And then into the survival portion more. And And be a survival film. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of instead of where I guess it's sold and I guess the the MacGuffin of the film is a gigantic whale. Yes. But that could have really just instead of being the MacGuffin of the film, that could have just been the spark that starts the film. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um but I think they, they they drifted more towards we want to show you the whaling part, which probably in case, but you lose, I think yeah. they lose
0: the audience in that. I actually think this might too be a, an interesting Howard trope, mm. which is we've seen a few times that his films take a sharp turn midway through the film. Yeah. And, you know, if we think about far and away, yeah, it takes half the film to get to when they move to America, which the whole point of the film is their journey to claim land.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And we sort of felt that, maybe the time in Ireland was spent just a bit too long. Yeah, a little bit. And again there's other films if I if I look into it that we go, Oh, we probably took half the film to get where we actually wanted to go here. Yeah. Um again, probably Gung ho was a good example of it.
1: Yeah, very true. Very true. Because Gung Ho
0: takes so long to get to the point where now they're gonna work together. Yeah. Or the clash of cultures is going on. And there's there's heaps. I think Backdraft was one we but talked I, about. I, it's understandable in some of those
1: um, examples that you had because that time it takes you like the character. You grow to like the character. Yeah, that's true. Well, these ones, you sort of like... That Do you scene, like. I know. Look, and once again, I you know I applaud um, you know that he actually show this, but that scene where they kill the whale, yeah, okay, and obviously, you see him taking so much joy in killing the whale, yeah, yeah, eradicates all the goodwill that you see building
0: up that character before. This it's really true. Do you, you know what think I mean? though that, that that that's underutilized because in doing it? So I guess you watch it and you're rooting for Hemsworth at the time. Yeah, right? you're rooting for Hemsworth because, you know, he, he, you want him to be captain. That's exactly right. And so this, but what could have happened? And I think something they really underutilised in it is the fact that Hemsworth and the captain start becoming friends Yeah. or becoming allies is probably a better, better word to use. But the wailing moment should have been the thing that brought them together. So later on when they're friendly... It's not. Oh, I'm not really sure how they got there. You, yeah, you know, and I guess that moment was just used to show the brutality of it. It, yeah, I I agree that it's meant to sh- like. I agree, like, but it's underutilized. Yeah, because it could have served two purposes, but we possibly have just been caught by the fact that it's almost like a political message was being shown in there. Yeah, an outdated one. Yeah, of course. Oh, uh, but. To go, whaling's really bad today. You know, we we all know about that documentary about the, the cove where oh, the dolphins get horrible. killed. Yeah. But it almost, to me, watching that was like people going, oh, well, I'm going to show this because it'll make people get highlighted how bad this is. Yeah. And it's bad when that happens, I think it's important to have those things happen in film because we need to have, it needs to be a medium where, you know, uh, really interesting. I watched a cool thing about the hurt locker the other day. Yeah. And they were talking about how Catherine Bigelow really wanted to use the film to highlight the way that war is distorted. Yeah. For man's purpose. Again, zero dark 30. She does the same thing, but the film, again, that's a great usage using film as a medium in order to relay a message. Yeah. It's not inherently in your face. Yeah, exactly. It's just part of the story. Whereas I think this moment, the wailing portion of the film is so much about wailing is bad for those three minutes Mm. that you're forgetting the fact that this should be about do we like these people anymore? Yeah, exactly. Are they growing together in this like, experience? I,
1: I, yeah, exactly, and and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what, like I understand you're trying to make a point, but your point kills the first part of the movie. Yeah, I'm um, like don't you shouldn't cover it up that they're whalers. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. And look, and I guess if it made the scene, if the scene later on, okay, so there's a scene later on where they're all emaciated. They're on the boats. Yeah, and the whale is still hunting them. Yep. Now the whale comes up, it breaches, um, and goes in between the boats. And Hemsworth has this gigantic, um, what do you call, lance spear, whatever. Yeah. And he's meant harpoon. harpoon, and he's meant to, and the and the guys yelling, you know, throw it at him, and he could throw it right in the creature's eye. Yeah. Um, and in essence, try you know kill it, but he doesn't. Yeah. Um, he drops it, you know, and I guess he becomes, you know, um, he he learns from his mistake. He reaches his character arc. But by that time you've forgotten about that character arc, you're worried more about the survival aspect. Yes. And that scene
0: isn't... It's out of place. Sh-
1: yeah, exactly. It's not strong enough yep. where you actually go, okay,
0: I Because, again, the- they have that moment in that scene mm. where Hemsworth almost hesitates in killing the whale earlier on in the film. Yeah. And they look each other in the eye. And Cathy Lee said, oh, he's not going to do it. And then he did. And... Again, those moments of Hemsworth like doubting, I get what they're trying to do there, and there's even the moment where Tom Holland's character stand sitting there with blood on his face, and yeah you, he, he ref, he's reflective in that moment that goes, yeah. "Oh, I don't know if I like it
1: yeah, this. this is what I, what I, I want."
0: This is not do. what I signed up for really, and but again, that doesn't play a point again until the end of the film, therefore, it's almost like a moot point.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
0: so it just, that that whole whaling scene is just, uh, I can only think of the word underutilized. Like yeah. it had such potential to, to be a catalyst for, you know, you've finally seen how great Hemsworth is. Yeah. He's got multiple pins showing how many whales he's killed. Yeah, exactly. You know, so so we should be like cheering him on because he's taken a whale down. Yeah. But it gets used to put our face in the brutality
1: of it. But also, you know, I guess in today's environment, you know that this is just horrible. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Yeah um, it's he's just killing a whale. You know what I mean? Out of all and that's just what's so funny about the whole concept being picked up and actually done like that. Is yes. that that studio I looked at it and said, Oh yeah, a man a hero going out killing whales. Sounds good. And then he's then he's gonna be a survivor after that as well. Yeah. Where it's you know, and I don't know. We did the comparison with obviously the bit of Life of Pi and all yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you can see there's total different um, things at play here. The the characters are just not, um, yeah. They're just it just destroys all likability for um, Chris Hemsworth in that yeah. portion of it. Yeah, totally. It's it's really disappointing. It is disappointing because like, every, like everything else, it runs through. And the survival portion of the film is
0: very interesting, man. Howard directs a great survival film.
1: Yeah, man. He he directs a shit out of it too, man. He, he does, does it well. doesn't he? Does it so well? Yeah.
0: Excuse me, but um, we let's take a moment, Craig, and let's talk about color palette within the film. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting decision made in this film. Yeah, it is. It's it's. I've tried to think for a couple of days now since watching the film. What the intention was, and the only thing that I can put it down to so to just to describe it, the people at home, the film starts with that rush color palette, yeah, it's very greeny, bluey tinge to it, yep. And as time goes on, colors begin to sort of almost invert and get a bit distorted, yeah. As obviously, the only thing I can put it down to is they're becoming emaciated. And functions aren't working properly. Yeah, therefore things are strange when they get washed up on that deserted island.
1: And, and it and it brings and it also brings the the colours of isolation. Yes, um, and of deserts. Of yes, like um, you know, just these things where um, I'm trying to think of the proper word for it. But um, yeah, of the 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 colours that are just things of things that are just not living.
0: Yeah, it, it was alien. Of death. They were yeah. alien in their in their mm. colouring. The moment they wash up on that island, which is very clearly when they pan back and you see that it's literally just like a volcanic barren. Yeah, it's
1: a shawl. And, uh. it's,
0: it's horrible, but it's purple and yellow. Yeah. And I was just like, there was a moment I was like, has Ron Howard gone full Oliver Stone? <laughs> like, is this what's going on here? Because it was almost like that weird colour palette.
1: There is. There is some... Odd color choices too, and I don't. And you, you struggle to think. Well, maybe is that just what it actually is,
0: or, yeah. if, is, that or is that a decision? Yeah. So yeah, and I guess that's what I've been trying to wrap my brain around. Is I should have probably done a bit more in. But in you see, the, there, there are scenes
1: where the actors, as well, their makeup, or yeah, their their actual face coloring, yeah, goes from. Obviously, sunburnt red. Yes, Jeez, shades of purple. Yeah, almost like they're becoming bruised. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, especially, especially um, Tom Holland towards the end. Yeah. There. I don't know if they over-applied the makeup towards yeah. at the end there. But yeah, he
0: was looking something more out of thriller. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the pointy bits on his cheekbones mm. and the oh, I thought the same thing. It you was like, it was very thrillerish, and I was just like, oh, it's Ew. just a bit. Again, just you know Tom Holland can dance. <laughs> he would dance he would. well to it, wouldn't he? Uh, uh, it's 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 just oh, there's a few choices in here. and again, I have to say though, Howard is not comfortable in just being comfortable. Yeah. So he's taking risks in this film. Yeah. There's there's decisions made. Again, he's got a new cinematographer on board. Oh really? So for this film, he's using the cinematographer who'd won an Academy Award for Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, okay. Superb. He also did, he worked on Rush with, with him. Oh, okay. So he's a very inventive, from what people say is very inventive, in those moments in Rush where the cameras were inside the helmet. Yeah. And the real side of the cars getting crashed into and stuff like that. He's very
1: immersive he cinematographer. Is. He, he
0: is. Yeah. And people love that about
1: him. Oh, I, I love that about I think those, um, he makes a lot of those scenes on
0: the boat. Yes. You know, just Fantastic. You, you feel like it's a living organism.
1: Yeah, exactly. You feel like you're on the boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's hard though when you're stranded and doing nothing. Yes. You know what I mean? So he he almost loses that rush skill because you know that's the thrill of rush. You feel like you're in the car. Yep. To well I didn't feel like I was stranded.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. No, I get it, Craig. It's it's really interesting. So I I do love that Howard's taking some risks in this film. Mm. Again, we talked about these films could start they're starting to feel a bit generic. Yeah, exactly. Almost I, I guess when we say generic is not thinking about you know, like a, a basic Hollywood movie that No, no, it's no.
1: Almost it's almost like it's we've hard.
0: got it's like we've got a Howard cookie cutter. Yeah. And we're just cutting the same shapes. But we also get to just squirt different sort of icing on it and different sort of things. But it still feels like I'm watching... There's a spark missing. There is, There's a spark missing to these films. Gosh, I hope we get it back sometime. Yeah, same, same. Running out of time. Well, we are. We're getting to that point. But I'd like to talk about... I think I might... I'll hold on to it. I think we have got one more film I want to watch. The next film, Inferno, that we're going to talk yeah. about I- I- next week. I really want to see how that goes before I bring it up. Right, cool. But I'm just worried that you know people. We've probably since Frost Nixon had this moment where critical response to Howard films just aren't that good. Yeah, they aren't. They aren't amazingly like in that sense that people are like. <gasps> It's a Neuron Howard film. I gotta go see it. It's, and I guess. And but I'm saying this could play a part in it. Exactly, and it,
1: it seems. And it obviously we'll see what it was what it's like next week. Yeah. as well. Because yeah, there seems to be. Um, it doesn't seem like he's onto his passion projects anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and we have seen in our, in our build up and lead up to the films that a lot of these films are getting dropped on him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And he makes it happen within about 18 months. Yeah. And I I guess what I'd love, and I'm hoping that we get, which if we think about, we've only got two films left after this, which is Inferno and Solo. Solo. We know very much Solo was a dropped in his lap project. Yes, definitely. Inferno from memory, I think he'd worked a little bit on, but really that's a... Adaptation. So yeah, he's just finishing off a trilogy. Again, I don't think there's much room for it to be a passion product. Maybe Hillbilly Elegy is something that he's able to develop for a bit longer. Yeah, let's hope so. And and unfortunately, we're not going to get to cover it this season. Nope. We'll drop it as a bonus. Don't we you will. worry, Come on, guys. We got you. But I just yeah, I just I miss that Howard. Yeah, I miss I miss the. A beautiful mind, I miss the... The punchiness to it. Yeah, Mm. I miss it. So, it's interesting in this film. Now, Craig, I heard you were going to take us on a little trip down the rabbit hole. I have taken you
1: down a rabbit hole. Because just one of those random stuff that you basically... um, It might be a little bit long. It might not be, actually. I don't know. Um, Take us there. But just the whole world. Like, I was just... And it all came from um, Hemsworth's accent.
0: Yes, and I so love I was it. like,
1: "Man, is this like is this a random place? You know, yes. like it's, maybe his accent is so spot on that it feels like a pitch, bot you know, because Nantucket is an island, yes. but it is also, um, it's a mixture of different cultures. Yes, so Nantucket, okay, which means faraway land, was the whaling capital of the world, as you know in the movie. It's yep. twenty five miles off the coast of Massachusetts, and it's only fourteen miles long. At the time of this story." Um, Nantucket had a population of about 7,000 and had about 15 to 20 whaling ships anchored in the harbour. Yeah. One of the reasons it became so popular, and this is why I was um, confused at the time, is English Nantucketers um, had introduced a system of debt servitude on the Wampanoag um, natives. So they were natives. Yeah. And so they actually um, used, which you didn't see much of this in the film they actually use a lot of these natives in, um, servitude.
0: There was a moment early in the film where you were walking through the docks where there's some native Americans, uh, tying fish to the.
1: Yeah, exactly. And Ah. so these, they were taken advantage of by obviously the English coming through. Yes. Um, obviously the whalers from Nantucket. They were called Nantucketeers. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Pretty cool. I, I just had to put that in. Um, In Nantucket, it was rumoured to be a secret society of young women uh, on the island whose members vowed to wed only people who have killed a whale. Whoa. To help these young women identify them, um, the hunters would wear those little chalk pins. Oh, wow. Those little oak pins that you saw obviously Chris Hemsworth hold on their lapels. And so, basically, and plus also, these guys could go on to be boat steerers. Um So, these are considered, they were considered like the athletes of the time. Yeah. Um, they could become captains and they were considered very eligible bachelors. Yeah, yeah. There's a very, obviously, as you can tell in the film, it's a very dangerous life. Um, yep. In 1810, there are 472 fatherless children in Nantucket.
0: Wow I
1: know While nearly a quarter of the women over the age of 23 Which was the average age of marriage Had lost their husbands to the sea
0: Wow I is, know It's so
1: wild It's crazy This whole this So Nantucket was this whole culture surrounded by whaling What a rich history though like, oh, I can, can totally see why history. Ron Howard would want to go there You cause can see why Because so it's such an Americana type history Yes you know, I mean, um, look for a whaleman and his family. It was a punishing regimen. Um, the two to three years away, they would spend only three to four months at home. Um, their men were so absent for so long. Nantucket was mainly run by the run by the women, businesses and everything. Wow! I know they they um, people who will come from the mainland would be so confused because they would s- you would see just a a woman run society yes. where. Um, the men would walk behind the woman. Yeah, as, wow. As the woman would lead them to certain areas because they ran the town because everyone else was away. Because yeah. um, they ran all the businesses. So, this is a little bit about the process of whaling uh, from oh, the Smithsonian. Oh, so good. So, in the early 19th century, a typical whale ship had a crew of 21 men, 18 of whom were divided, divided into three whaleboats, crews of six men each. The 25-foot whale boat was lightly built of cedar planks and had five long oars with an officer standing at the steering wheel, just like the movie. The trick was to row as close as possible to their prey so the man at the bow could hurl his harpoon into the back flank of the whale. Yeah, okay. More often than not, the panicked creature hurled off in a desperate rush and the men found themselves in the midst of what they called the Nantucket sleigh ride. Yes. Yeah, so you you met, they yelled at something very exactly. similar during the
0: welcome, boys. Enjoy your first Nantucket sleigh ride. Yeah,
1: exactly. For the uninitiated, it was both exhilarating and terrifying to be pulled by the whale at almost twenty miles per hour, um, Whoa. with the boat slapping against the way the waves. Um, nails actually sometimes started to pull from the planks and everything like that. Whoa! The harpoon was never meant to kill the whale. It's the equivalent of a fish hook. It was meant to let the whale exhaust itself. Then once it was exhausted, the men would begin to haul themselves inch by inch to within stabbing distance of the whale. Taking up a 12-foot killing lance, the man at the bow probed for a group of coiled arteries near the whale's lungs with a violent churning motion. Holy moly! When the lance finally plunged into its target, the whale could begin to choke on its own blood. (laughs) Its spout would transform into a 15-foot geyser of gore and blood to which the men would shout, Chimneys of fire.
0: Which happens in the film.
1: As the blood rained down on them, they took up the oars and backed furiously away, then paused to observe the whale went into what was called its flurry. Pounding the water with its tail, snapping at the air with its jaws, the creature began to swim in circles and circles until um, the attack, And it slowly just fell motionless and would die. Wow. Um, Then they would butcher the whale. Um, They would tow the um, corpse back to the vessel, secure it to the ship's side like you saw in a movie. And they would cut it up in five foot wide strips of blubber from the whale. Yeah. The sections were then hacked into smaller pieces and fed into two immense iron pots. The wood was used to start the fire. Um, Crisp pieces of blubber floating on the surface were skimmed off the top and tossed into the fire for fuel. The flames that melted down the whale's blubber were fed, fed by the whale itself and, pre- and produced a thick pall of black smoke. I know, oh it's gross, hey. During a typical voyage, a Nantucket whale ship would kill and process up to 40 to 50 whales. But by 1852, the local population of whales had been exterminated. A fire destroyed the Nantucket waterfront. A new capital was named on the mainland for whaling, which was called New Bedford. Um and they would then go on to basically um what is it? Let's see so, and the money just started to disappear. Yeah, okay. After the film events of after the events of the film, Captain Pollard yeah. had another ship. You hear about this in the movie. Yeah. Um and it sunk again. Yeah, yeah. Um, to which he said, No owner will ever trust me with a whale ship again. So he became the Nantucket night watchman until his death.
2: Wow. He was
1: actually the one who met Maybe Dick author Melville.
2: Yeah, When okay. they came
1: to the island. Owen Chase, Hemsworth's character, signed on to become... Signed on, straight on, to another whaling ship. Yeah, well... After getting better. So, he never really did the character arc like in the movie. Yep. His wife later died, um, and then he remarried a widow of one of the survivors of the Essex. Don't know if Whoa. You know. Um, but memories of, that, of the Essex haunted Chase. He suffered a he- terrible headaches and nightmares and later in his life started to hide food in his in his attic and he was actually institutionalized wow but he lived he was actually he actually became um he did become a captain of a whaling ship and he did die fairly wealthy
0: yeah okay um, so he
1: died in 1869
0: cuz they um, talk about how like you become a captain you'll be set for life yeah exactly
1: and he did he did he did um he did really well for himself in the novel, here's a couple of little bits of trivia. In the novel, Maybe Dick, the chief mate was a guy named Edward C. Starbuck. The name became the inspiration for Starbucks coffee. No way. No, yep. <laughs> um, not any connection to coffee. It's just that the um, founder of Starbucks wanted a name starting with ST and they remembered that character out of the novel. <laughs> when um, Like we said before, um, you've already mentioned this. It was, it was never a um, success when it came out. Yeah. Richard Melville Hall... This is your last little tidbit. Richard Melville Hall, who is a de- who is a descendant of Herman Melville, um, became a DJ <laughs> and done um, and became famous for his electronic dance tunes. What's the DJ's name? Jeff. Oh
0: gosh. Moby. No <laughs> way. <laughs> no way, Craig. That is true. Holy moly. It's staunch like vegan and animal rights. Yeah, activists. man. Yeah, man. Wow. There you go. I know. That's a good one. That was, that's what when I
1: read. I went, damn, that's good. What a good tidbit, Craig. Oh, no, there you go, mate. Oh, so there's a down the rabbit hole. You can tell I've just jumped off in so many different areas. I
0: love it, Craig. So yeah, that's so my down rabbit hole. Oh, thank you so much for that. No worries. Um, Craig, now I reckon we've got. A stellar cast in this film. Stella. Again, we haven't really given any much time talking about the fact that there's an opportunity to have a back and forth between Brendan Gleeson and Ben Wiltshaw. Yes. <laughs> Is it or Wiltshire or Wiltshaw? Yeah. Whitshaw. But both of them are amazing actors. Yeah. And they're almost resigned to being bookends to the film. Ben and Killian yep. almost seem wasted. Don't they ever? They seem
1: very wasted, actually. We do get some good moments of Brendan Gleeson. Obviously, but Brendan Gleeson, is that you You expect him in one of those roles?
0: I think he is such a treasure. I'll be really upset when the day comes. He's he's like that character actor. Every time he pops up, I'm like, we're in for something good here. I only found it the other day that his son was Dom Hall. What?! Really, I didn't, I didn't realize his son oh, was dominal. I just saw, you know, shit.
1: Craig. I can't think all
0: redheads are related, shit. <laughs> <laughs> In the Harry Potter world, they are. Yeah, true, very true. <laughs> he was a Weasley, Domino. Oh yeah, he was too. Yes, he's there. Bill. Yes, that's right. Wow, he, had, he had old uh, Brendan, Mad Eye Moody. Ah, oh, shiver me timbers. There
1: you go. That would have been awesome being on set with your dad. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's right. Great fun.
0: Um, So I just think it's a very interesting film. This is not a film that I would say don't watch. I I encourage people to watch this film. Yeah. It's very watchable. It is watchable. It's probably more of a tale of what could have been. Yeah. Because this could have been the Oscar film.
1: It could have been. Um, I think, look, like I said, I I don't know if Hemsworth was... It should have been a smaller film.
0: Yeah. More stripped back. Film.
1: Yeah, exactly. Give
0: exactly. it a $60 million budget. Yep.
1: Even, you know, even less, you know, just hint at the whale. Yeah. You know, very much hint Jaws at the whale. Jaws it. Yeah, exactly. Jaws it. They could have jawsed it a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, you didn't have to spend too much time. Um, Just turned it into a survival movie and not an actual... Where everyone I think was going and thinking it was making And deep.
0: you could still keep moments like... The storm, when they sail into the storm, which the storm scene was so good. That's great. I loved the moment also when the whale rams the ship. Yeah. And you can see its eye through the hole there. Again, that could have been done quite practically. Yeah. And so I think those moments could have been done without being over the top. Yeah. But I do think there was a lot of probably... Probably the ambition of let's film on a tank with a functioning ship. Yeah,
1: I think that was a little bit over. I think if, if he crammed it more, he would have been creative more.
0: Yes, and we've talked about that in past seasons. Yeah, exactly. Is that a ginormous budget Can actually kill. kills creativity. Yeah. Whereas the moments we saw, again, probably with the Zemeckis, when he had a smaller budget and had to work... To make things work, yeah, we got some great films.
1: Yeah, oh well, the, and that's the thing is, you could tell the movie works best at those times where it wouldn't have been a big budget. Yeah, you know, on the a, island. Yeah, on the island in like surviving on the some boats. parts in the boats. Yeah, the the yep. parts in the boats they work. It works really well. Yeah, um, it's just confusing with the rest of the film.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Well, I'd love to hear, Craig. Overall, what Ooh. do you think? We'll I get to ranking in a oh, bit. Oh, okay, overall, cool. what I'll do you look,
1: think? Uh, yeah, I look, um, I'll never watch it again, but it doesn't mean
0: I regret watching it. Yeah, okay. Um, well, that's, that's a fair way of talking about it.
1: You know what I mean? I, I think it's a good film. Um, like it's, you know, what I mean, like there's a there's a, it's up to you if you if if it's on TV. Sit and watch it for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you see it on Netflix and you go, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, Amazon Prime, I watch it, put it yeah. on. Um, if you don't get far in it, don't feel like you're missing out on a um culture icon. The scale is icon. huge. Yeah.
0: This is a really big film, but it doesn't hit as hard as it is big. Yeah, exactly. And I think it just lets the film down a bit. Mm. I think it's Howard trying to be ambitious while being safe, mm. and I'm going to say the really hard thing here is that I just
1: Hemsworth was ill-suited for the role.
0: On paper, he's a great choice. Yeah, oh yeah, I can see been, why studios are excited. Yes, that's right. But I don't know. I would love, I would have loved to seen someone else in there. You know, I probably oh, would look, have Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy have. as the captain. Yep. Uh, probably would have given him a lower budget as well. Yeah, Which exactly. isn't a bad thing. And, you know, then going through and having a different sort of cast around him. But, yeah, unfortunately, this is like one of those films that I know why I probably didn't see it. Yeah,
1: I'm glad I didn't see my it.
0: Vibe, my vibe was probably right in it. Yeah. So it was just one of those things. One of my favourite posters, though, is that one of the boat. And that moment of the whale inside oh, yeah. the boat? But it's never that big. No. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, another opportunity it's lost. It's meant to be s- a white whale. Yeah.
1: But and I it's read like a. Blue. Gray. Oh, the, Supposedly they changed the coloring of it because it didn't look scary enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I know it was one of those random articles I ended up
0: on, which I trivia about in the heart of the sea. <laughs> so so I didn't interesting. That's real. So interesting. So, Craig, let's take a look over here Ooh, at the yeah. Cineful Studio whiteboard. I haven't even thought of this. We are at film 23 today. Our whiteboard has, I'm just going to run through them really quickly because there are a lot of films to go through here. For Craig, at number one, A Beautiful Mind, Frost, Nixon, Apollo 13, The Missing and Willow make the top five. Far and Away, Parenthood Rush, Cinderella Man and Backdraft are the top ten, followed by Cocoon, Splash, EdTV, The Paper and Ransom. Angels and Demons, The Da Vinci Code, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Night Shift, Gung-Ho, The Dilemma, and lastly, Grand Theft Auto. Now, for myself, we have Frost Nixon at number one, followed by A Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, Apollo 13, and Russia, the top five. The Paper, The Missing, Parenthood, EdTV, and Willow make the top ten. Cocoon, Far and Away, Ransom, Angels and Demons, and Backdraft are the top 15. Then, Gung-Ho, Splash, The Da Vinci Code, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Grand Theft Auto, Night Shift, and lastly, at 22, The Dilemma. <laughs> so, Craig, I'm really interested here where this film's going to sit for you. 17. <laughs> 17? <laughs> no, no messing about here. You are just dropping it like it's hot. Oh, so, look, I...
1: It's I, <laughs> a weird thing to say. I enjoyed Angels and Demons more than this film. I would agree with that. Um, And so, yeah. That's it. I, and, and I enjoyed this film more than Da Vinci Code. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my best place.
0: <laughs> it's interesting. I'm actually uh, going to pop it very fittingly under Splash. Splash! Which is at number 18. So, I'm going to push the Da Vinci Code down. I'm I'm in the same boat. You know, I would happily go watch Splash or Gung Ho before I'd watch In the Heart of the Sea. Oh, hell yeah. And I miss John Candy. The I really appreciate the scale and the ambition of this film, but like we've talked about, I just feel like the pieces aren't there for this to be a great film. Spark. And some of those pieces may be in the form of a, a um, Australian god. Hunk. But it's just hanging one of those scone. things, isn't it? So he's hanging out at Scone at the moment, bumping young My children homeland. from presenting the weather to young make his post stop. Uh, She's not young. She's like thirty years old. Reporter. No, no, they were meant to have children on for the the segment to oh, to present the weather from the local schools while they were in Scone. Oh wow! Really? And then really? they found out Chris Hemsworth was in town and went, freak. "Oh, stuff the kids! Yeah, stuff the Put kids!" Man. On.
1: Trust me, I was, I'm from I'm from Scone, man.
0: You wouldn't <laughs> want us on the friggin' TV. We're rough bastards, all of us. So uh, we've rounded out our things. Let's let's go from fifteen. Craig has Ransom, Angels and Demons, The Da Vinci Code, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Night Shift, Gung-Ho, The Dilemma, and Grand Theft Auto making his end of his little uh, ladder there. For me, 15, Backdraft, 16, Gung-Ho, followed by Splash, then How the Grinch (laughs) Stole, In the Heart of the Sea, Jeff needs the food. Da Vinci Code, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Grand Theft Auto, Night nice Shift, and the Dilemma. I do need food. I'm st- I'm st- I've had such a big day. I can tell when i can tell when you need food. I- I've reached <laughs> that point of I'm hungry.
1: We've been, we're, 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 we've been around too many meal times together. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. You could, <laughs> Jeff gets droppy. Jeff gets like forgetful and shit.
0: Yeah, my words <laughs> don't work when I'm hungry. So, Craig. If people are not agreeing with us, maybe they want to tell us how much they loved all the history behind this episode. I've yeah, loved how exactly. much history is in this episode. Or if where you want be- to hear
1: the limerick that was with the man from Nantucket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, where can people find us, Craig? <laughs> you can go on to Twitter
1: at FFTO Podcast. The same, that's the same handle at Instagram. Um, or you can go on to our Facebook we're, we're from First to Last Podcast. Yep. Get on there. Make some comments with us, guys. Um, Interact. Um, Or if you just want to be a little bit more personal, a bit more intimate, you can email us at info at fftlpodcast.com. Or if you just want to be standoffish and just read stuff, you know, take your own pace, you know, hey, come together with us at your own pace. You know, we're not rushing you. Go to www.fftlpodcast.com.
0: Love it, Craig. We love it. As always, like us, subscribe. Yep. review. Review. Give us some reviews. Why are the reviews important? Why are the subscribing important? Because it means that when people search this stuff up, say if they ch- search Chris Hemsworth in podcasts, yeah, our stuff will pop up earlier than other yeah, people's. Exactly. All it takes is a little five-star review. Susan Boyle's Bush. That's right, Susan Boyle. We're going to put that in our search engine optimization. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Gobbles. <laughs> Gobbles, that's Gobbles, right. man. You need to know about it. I know, so, man. But we do love you being on the journey. Now, next week... We are talking the third instalment to the Robert Langdon Trilogy, oh, Inferno. Inferno. I'm very much Not looking for... Blonde Not the <laughs> Neil Blond camp <can't> film. Not the Neil Blond camp film. That's <laughs> for show. But we are talking Inferno. Tom Hanks is back. Yes. There's a little bit of Da Vinci Code Hank history to come into, into this episode, so I'm excited back to drop again. that. But I'm really looking forward to it. So, Craig, next week, that's who we're, what we're talking about. As always, we love you being on the journey. So, yeah. From all of us here at From First to Last podcast, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And we'll catch you next week. Adios.